Here we go, another edition of On the Chalk, remote episodes now because I am back in Chicago, the school year is over, Isaac is at his apartment in Champaign, we're still going to keep pumping this out, still going to keep it going, Isaac, how are you? Doing well, um, basically, really happy school's done, but my life is still super busy with work and everything, but how are you? Lovely, I'm lovely, I'm ready to continue, keep this train going. Yeah, and I, I'm excited. It's it's interesting as we kind of get into the. It's kind of are, are we quite in the dog days of summer yet? I don't think so, but we're still learning a lot about some of these teams. Got a good show for you planned today. Got to really hone in on the NL Central with what they've been doing so far. It's going to be really interesting. The Brewers call up a big time prospect just today to try to add another bat to that lineup. The Cardinals are scuffling a little bit, two and eight. The Cubs are really good, eight and two in their last ten. And Pittsburgh is still just fine, um, and it's just one game back of the wild card right now. So that Central will be good. We'll probably do, uh, before we end the show, our picks for MVP, Comeback Player of the Year, and Cy Young. So it's about a quarter of the way through the year. And also, we have to talk about the AL Central because it has been super, super interesting. AL East. What's up? AL East. AL Central oh, is gross. Yeah, super, super interesting in the AL East. Tampa still good. Yankees continue to win. Boston's finding their groove a little bit. So those three teams look like it's going to be a dogfight. So good good episode playing for today. Yeah, there's a lot to get to. We're about a quarter way through the season uh, now, passing the quarter pole for most teams. So we get to talk about some fun stuff now. So let's dive into the Central. Uh, the Cubs, I mean, we have to start with them. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. Their run differential has skyrocketed. They've won 10 straight series for the first time since 2008. This is a team that has found it. They're finally putting it together. They're finally starting to get contributions that you expected from their guys that they wanted. Chris Bryant's finally starting to come around and hit some homers. Uh, Javi Baez is doing Javi Baez things. And the pitching's. I, I don't think it's crazy to say that the pitching for the Cubs so far has probably all together as a, as a unit been the best it's been in right. probably four years, maybe. Right. But no, I mean, I agree with that. I, I think the big thing that we have to talk about is yes, the lineup has been great. And yes, the resurgence of Jason Hayward has been terrific, but this Cubs pitching staff is the reason they are what they are. This Cubs yeah. pitching staff is the reason they're 24 and 14. Here's the thing that I love to look at. They've given up 152 runs so far this year. No one else in baseball except the Rays are better than that. They're second in baseball in runs given up. That's absurdly good. The bullpen has started to find its stride. You look at the starting rotation. Jose Quintana's been great this year. Cole Hamels was their big offseason acquisition where they paid $20 million to keep him, like their biggest move that they made, and he has been well worth it. 3-0, 3.08 ERA. John Lester, the peripherals last year were screaming that he was regressing, and he has put those to shame this year. A 1.16 earned run average. I mean, outside of you, Darvish, you got to love what you're getting from that starting rotation. And then the bullpen, much maligned early in the year, but it's really found its groove. You're starting to settle into their roles. And got to give a lot of credit to Tyler Chatwood, who's turned himself into a valuable, valuable piece. Brandon Kinsler's been great. Brad Brock has been awesome. Steve Ciszek has been fine. Montgomery is starting to find it a little bit more. Carl Edwards Jr. has been a little bit better since he came back from AAA Iowa. So the Cubs are starting to find their groove pitching-wise, which should be the main story because the offense is great, but they would not even be close to where they're at if this pitching staff wasn't pitching at this absurdly good level. 
Yeah, I mean, that's also been the Cubs' heel for the last few years. Ever since they won the World Series and they lost Aroldis Chapman as their closer, their bullpen's been in flux ever since then. 2017-2018, they really didn't have a set closer. Last year was supposed to be Brandon Morrow, and he couldn't stay healthy, still can't. And they had a lot of different guys going through these high leverage situations. Now, I mean, you mentioned Brock settled in. uh, Carl Edwards Jr. has been better. And then you have guys who return to form that they've had a couple years ago, like Cishek. Cishek, a few years ago with the Marlins, was great. Bounced around a little bit, wasn't as good. And now he's starting to look better, too. I mean, the bullpen has been the Cubs' heel, and it looks like they're figuring it out. But I, I don't think we can undersell what is happening with Brian and Rizzo. Yes. Their, their season-long numbers don't look great still. Brian at just 257, 400, 529 with a 929 OPS, which is still good. And Rizzo with a 252, 379, 532 for a 911 OPS. But over the last two weeks for each of these guys, I mean, they're both hitting above 300. Bryant's on base percentage has been above 500 and their OPS is or Rizzo's over the last two weeks has been a over a thousand and Bryant's is over 1300. These are your MVP type caliber guys that you were expecting all year. And Bryant sat out a lot last year. And he, I mean, you kind of expected them last year when he was out to not be as good. And that's what happened. And now they're both starting to find it while you still have Javi Baez, Jason Hayward and Wilson Contreras hitting really well. That's the really biggest key there because we all knew that Jason Hayward wasn't going to be a 300, 340 batting average like he had earlier in the year. We, under, right. we understood that. The real reason why the Cubs are getting right back into this is because their lineup is so good top to bottom, and Bryant isn't missing those pitches over the middle of the plate. He then really struggled on those pitches over the middle of the plate. Now he's getting back to form, and that's why – Last year, throughout this offseason, you heard Cub fans just panicking about Bryce Harper and saying, oh, this needs to happen because they have massive holes in their lineup and progression isn't always linear and some of these guys aren't going to get better. That's why I kind of scoffed at them because I, I think that a lot of Cubs fans forgot how good they were. Now they're starting to see it. Javi Baez is a legitimate MVP candidate. Chris Bryant right. now is a legitimate MVP candidate. Anthony Rizzo starting to get back to that legitimate MVP candidate. Oh, and Wilson Contreras has been one of the best catchers in baseball so far this year. Him, Grandal, and Real Muto are the top three catchers in the game right now. So it's it's really, really interesting to see this lineup. This this Cubs team is dangerous. They're really good. And when Brian is hitting at this level and he's not missing those pitches over the heart of the plate and he is driving the baseball, they are terrific. They're terrific. And then you then you can live with Schwarber and left field kind of doing Schwarber things. And Al Moore not getting everything. And Ben Zobris having a leave of absence because you have all of this depth and the quality depth is why they're so good. Yeah. And I mean, Brian, you mentioned he's not missing pitches in those last two weeks that I was talking about five of his eight home runs have been in the last 14 days alone. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's something. And Wilson Contreras, I don't think we can overstate this. He's going to get MVP votes if he keeps going at this rate too. He's right now he's at 304, 417 with a 617 slugging percentage. He just hit a walk-off home run the other day. When you look at this lineup, no matter who's leading off, whether that's Ben Zobras, Elbert Amora, even Jason Hayward, but the four guys behind whoever's leading off with Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, and Contreras, however you want to line them two through five, that's probably one of the best stretches, if not the best stretch in all of baseball. I agree. Not close. And and then you're supplementing that with 
really good rock solid talents behind it. That that's been really huge. Hopefully, when you look at the Cubs right now, hopefully some of these projections for the future. They don't love the pitching. They don't think that this is sustainable um, mm-hmm. from Quintana, from Hendricks, from Lester, and from Cole Hamill. So they think it'll come back down to earth. But I really don't see that happening quite as badly as people think. I still think the Cubs are going to be right in the mix. But, hey, the Cubs being good has really ramped up the pressure on the rest of the teams in the NL Central to compete. And the Brewers go out today, and they bring up Keston Hura to, up to their uh, to their major league roster. They're, he's going to replace Travis Shaw, who's been really struggling and here is a guy who's hitting 11 home runs in just 147 plate appearances in his first year at AAA San Antonio, hitting 333 with an OPS over 1.106. So he is a legitimate star with the bat. Defensively, he's never been great, um, right. but he can find it. And then you add that you add that to the mix of that Brewers lineup. Like this Central, it's really for me. It's not close when it, when we talk about the best division in baseball. The Central has clearly separated themselves from others as the no doubt number one division top to bottom. I think so too. I think you could probably make a case now that it's getting better, the AL East, but we'll get to that. Uh, eventually the brewers are interesting because they've been kind of up and down this year. I mean, they, they just got into the green as far as run differential goes, they have Mm -hmm. a plus two run differential and yet they're still 24 and 19. They're getting contributions like from guys like Zach Davies, who was hurt last year. Right. Uh, and obviously Christian Yelich is still doing his thing. This Keston Hurio move is really interesting to me because like you said, Shaw was bad. He was not doing it. He was not getting it done for you. This is a guy who is clearly not comfortable at second base. This is a guy that you need to try and get him more reps at third base where he's more comfortable or first base, because right now he's got a negative 0.7 war. And you can't have that from a guy who you are counting on. This is a dude who hit 30 plus home runs the last two years, and he's got four right now, and he's hitting sub 200. That you just can't have that if you're a team that expects to contend and expects to go back to the NLCS, much less the post. I mean, the postseason, much less the NLCS. So you need that. I mean, I think Kira helps. The defense is whatever. You can mask that with shifts, and, you know, I think you can hide him a little bit in the field, but. The the bat the, with the stick is where you need him. I mean that lineup outside of Yelich isn't getting much. Jesus Aguilar is starting to figure it out. Yeah, but you look at still at this lineup though with Yasmani Grandal, who's been really good so far this year. Sure, Aguilar Mustakas is a pro hitter. RC is fine. Braun Kane Loren or uh, uh, Yelich. Now you add uh, you add here into the mix. Holy cow! I mean, we talk about the Cubs depth. The Brewers' right. depth in that lineup is great, and I still have—I still am not buying the Brewers overall. I didn't buy them at the beginning of the year. I don't think their pitching is going to stand up. You're, you mentioned Zach Davies; he's been awesome, but still, the rest of their rotation has not been very good. They don't have another starter that's been dominant for them. Now they picked up mm-hmm. Gio Gonzalez, and he's been great in his first three starts for him. But again, is that sustainable? I don't necessarily think so. He's got an ERA of one point six nine. He's three or in his three starts and sixteen innings, he's allowed just three earned runs. So uh, good start for him. I just don't see it happening. One because his stuff isn't strikeout stuff. And that you kind of need to be able to do that. his strikeout percentage per nine innings. It's just 6.8. That worries me. I think that people are going to start battering him around and the Brewers just don't have enough pitching, but they're hot right now. The Cardinals are, are slumping just a touch. And we're going to get into those in a little bit, but it kind of shows you the ebbs and flows that this central is going to go on. The Cubs are having their hot stretch. 
The, the Brewers have their odds stretch. The Cardinals started off super smoking hot and now cooled off a little bit. And now Pittsburgh is starting to find its groove. So it'll be fascinating to see how this shakes up. It feels like, though, I can't take a lot of takeaways from the beginning, of, from this first quarter stretch of the season, because all, four, all you know, three of these teams, I think, are going to be finishing around 88 to 92, 93 wins. And, and they're just going to be really, really good. And it's hard. You'll figure it out at the end. Yeah, this is something that we expected. Or, yeah, expected because we knew that these were going to be three teams that all made improvements or were getting healthy, one of the two, and that they would be there in contention this year. And that's exactly what happened. Um, the Cardinals had a hot stretch. They're on a cold stretch right now. The Brewers have been very streaky. They haven't had like a sustained hot or cold streak yet, but they've been up and down. The Cubs started the season horribly. And now they're on this tear that has skyrocketed them to the top of the NL central and has given them the best run differential behind only the Astros. So you're right. This is exactly what we were looking at. This is exactly what I think is going to continue happening for the rest of the season with these teams. Um, I think if I had to pick one, and I mean, we haven't talked about the Cardinals just yet, but if I had to pick one, I think the Brewers might fade away at some point. They're right. 16th in the league in ERA. They have a team ERA of 437. They're getting a lot of innings, but I mean, like you said, when you're expecting Gio Gonzalez to save your pitching staff, that's not the greatest sign in the world. Let's move to the Cardinals. <clears throat> Here I have an interesting question for you. What concerns you more? The slumping offense right now, uh, we've seen Marcelo Zuna completely fall off the table. I think three for his last 28. Mm-hmm. Matt Carpenter has been a horrible. Colton Long has come way down to earth. Uh, Bader has not really clicked offensively quite yet. Um, so is it the lineup like that? Or is it the fact that your pitching staff, especially from your starters, has really been underwhelming so far this year? Which concerns you more? The pitching staff struggles <laughs> lineup being ineffective and very, very up and down, hot and cold the last couple weeks? Um, right now, I think it's the lineup because the pitching staff is showing signs of getting better. Uh, Miles Michaelis has been really good in his last three or four starts. Uh, he's got a sub three ERA in, in that stretch. Adam Wainwright's still steady. Uh, Dakota Hudson is showing signs of starting to figure out. Uh, Hudson the one thing that concerns me with him is he's seventh in baseball in hard hit and hard hit balls, uh, which right. is not great, but I mean, he's shown better. He's getting better. His last start against the pirates was decent. I think he went six innings, only gave up two or three. Um, <clears throat> but right now it's the offense because this is a, a lineup that you were expecting. Okay. Last year we had a top 10 MVP year from, Matt Carpenter. Okay, this year Marcelo Zuna is healthy. Oh, we added Paul Goldschmidt too, a guy who's consistently an MVP type of player. And it's not happening. Carpenter started the season last year cold too, and he eventually figured it out and went on that tear. So, you know, his 201, 318, 336 is still concerning, but you think, okay, just give him time, just give him time. Maybe he'll start figuring it out. Maybe something will start happening. But it's still not really clicking for Carpenter yet, which is concerning. Um, <clears throat> Ozuna, after he started the year great and went on a little power surge uh, for a couple weeks, in his last two weeks, he's hitting 188 and slugging 313. So that's concerning. Uh, I would say Goldschmidt is concerning. Uh, he's still hitting 270, 350, 479 with an 828 OPS, but 
he doesn't concern me for this reason. And it's that over the last week, Goldschmidt in five games is slugging 650 and has an OPS at almost 1200. So it looks like he's figuring it out. Um, the only thing with any offensive baseball really is it just takes one game. It just takes one game for everybody to say, oh, this is what's happening. This is what we need to do to get rolling. It looks like Goldschmidt's figuring it out. Paul DeYoung has been awesome all the year. And so he's been consistent. As long as you can get one or two guys stringing it together, the rest of the team should fall in. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm concerned about the lineup as well, just because we didn't buy into Marcelo Zuna at all at the beginning of the year. And he goes on this torrid stretch in the last 15 games. He's hit just one home run. That's yeah. really, really concerning. What might be even more concerning, though, in his last 15 games, he only has four doubles. So that's a bad that's that's a problem. Right. And so we didn't buy into that at all. I'm, I'm glad that we did buy into that mirage that it's Marcelo Zuna. And I'm glad that they're not going to probably extend him after the season. But Paul Goldschmidt's been fine. DeYoung's been great and probably the team MVP right now. But Carpenter can't do this anymore. You can't expect to give out right. contracts like they did in the offseason and then have it where he goes a month and a couple weeks, six weeks basically, without hitting at the beginning of the year. you got to pick it up at some point. Now, Jose Martinez needs to continue to stay in the lineup every day because he's been great. Yachty has really been really rock solid for a veteran um, catcher. And I love what Dexter Fowler has done for the most part this year. But this lineup really hasn't clicked. And you look at the Cardinals, they're 2-8 and eight over the last 10. It just feels like whenever the pitching gets right, the offense goes away. And when the offense is right, the def- the, the pitching is bad. And then when the pitching struggle or is, is kind of good for a little bit, then the defense coughs up a couple errors. So I right. still think the Cardinals are good. I'm not out here saying that they stink. They're just kind of in a rough patch right now. And that's kind of baseball, right? I mean, you're going to have these little things where one thing doesn't go your way. A bounce doesn't go your way. They score 17 runs against the Pirates, but then they can't uh, get out of their own way and struggle back-to-back times and lose two games by one run. So it just feels like a team that's scuffling just a touch and hasn't quite clicked. I still think they get there because you look at this offense, they still scored 206 runs. That's one of the better marks in the National League. They still have a pitching set that you like with with Michaelis and Flaherty up top. And you still have a guy in Carlos Martinez who could be back pretty soon. That's another weapon to add to a bullpen that's been pretty good for the most part. Yeah, and the thing is, if you're the Cardinals, you need to be taking advantage of the stretch that you have coming right now because you just finished a stretch with the Nationals, Cubs, and Phillies. Right now, you just dropped a series to the Pirates, which can't happen, although the Pirates have been better than we thought. But like you said, you they scored 17 runs in the first game against the Pirates, and then they scored a total of eight in the last three, including one in each and two of those games, which, I mean, you can't lose two to one games. I mean, you should be better than that. Well, you have to be a better team than that. <laughs> you lost two, two, two to one games, and you had a 6-2 lead and lost that game, too. Right. Like, exactly. just can't happen. I mean, a couple bounces here and there, and you you were having a completely different conversation because instead of the Cardinals being 22 and 19 off a three-game losing streak, they've won three in a row or, or four in a row. They're 25 and 16, and we're completely fine, you know? Right. Well, and continuing, like, you have the stretch coming up, though, because you should be beating the Pirates. You're a better team than them. But you, you're lucky because you have coming up the Braves, who have a plus-one run differential. They're floating right above 500. Uh, they're at 21 and 20 right now coming into tonight's game. We're recording this on Tuesday night. Um, you have to be able to take advantage of this because 
you have the Braves, then you have the Rangers who are fine, but they're not great. They're like the Braves. They're about a 500 team. Then you have two with the Royals who are tanking. Obviously they're one of the worst teams in baseball. And then you have three more against the Braves before you have to go. Then Phillies, Cubs, Reds, Cubs. So you have a tough stretch coming up. And so you have to be able to take advantage of these games that you have right now against teams that you should be beating because you know that the Cubs especially are going to be doing that. They're going to be beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. So you need to be doing this too. I completely agree. I'm interested to see how this team kind of evolves a little bit. Um, And I'm interested to see how Carlos Martinez helps because I, I do think that he's a really intriguing piece in that bullpen. You've gotten good stuff from John Brebbia this year, a couple bad outings recently, a couple hiccups, but overall he's been awesome. You like what you've gotten to from Andrew Miller for the most part, uh, especially recency. Jordan Hicks has been pretty good. So it'll be interesting to see how this bullpen kind of evolves with him moving forward. Well, the thing with the bullpen is Hicks, first of all, has been outstanding. I think the jump that he's taken has been something that I don't think we saw because he was good last year, but he wasn't great. And I think we said, okay, Hicks can be a good closer, but he's, he's been dominant this year. I mean, he's been unbelievable. And I think part of that goes to him having a more slider usage. He's using a slider 36% this year, as opposed to 21% last year. And I mean, he's just getting guys left and right with that. Uh, As far as Brebbia, the problem with Brebbia is he's great against righties. He's awesome. He only allows a 208 slugging percentage, a 132 batting average. He's been awesome. He's not as good against lefties. He's giving up a slugging percentage of 500 and OPS of 871 against lefties. And I think those are that's what the hiccups that you were alluding to. Um, and that comes from the Cardinals not having a reliable lefty pitcher or any pitcher that can get lefties out reliably outside of Hicks. Right. Because you said Miller's been – fine, but he hasn't been the Miller, the Andrew Miller that you have seen in the past. He's got a negative 0.3 war right now, and he's got a 5.02 ERA. There's days where he's hot and cold, much like this Cardinals team itself. Some days he's awesome and the slider looks sharp and he's getting guys out and you boom, 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 three up, three down, you're out of the inning. And there's other games where he's serving up home runs and making you nervous. And so the Cardinals, I, I will say this though, in the last six outings, so he's only given up one run. So that's that's kind of where more I'm seeing. I, you're right. right. You're right. He's kind of struggling a little bit. But I'm, I'm still happy for the most part because I kind of see the light at the end of the top tunnel here with him. Right. And I can see him starting to find his group just in a touch. But you're right. You need that second lefty or you need a second reliable guy that can get lefties out that isn't named Jordan Hicks. A guy that I think could do that is John Gant just because he has that stuff to he's do that. He's yeah, and we also know that Carlos Martinez can be that guy that gets lefties out as well sure. because he has such nasty two-seam and, and movement um, and that, that I think could really pay off. Yeah, I think Martinez is an interesting wild card for this because he was awesome when he was in the bullpen. What was that, last year or was that two years ago? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was year. good. He was really good in the bullpen. And so obviously I prefer Carlos Martinez as a starter. Um yeah. I've mentioned on this podcast before how in the stretch from 2015 to 2017 and even into 2018, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, top 13 pitcher in most statistical categories, uh, including innings pitched, uh, ERA, strikeouts. Um, And I think the rotation needs the help more, but I understand putting Martinez in the bullpen. Um, And especially if you think he can do good. And I think if the rotation continues to turn this corner, 
then maybe you can you're allowed to let Martinez in that bullpen. Um, well, but it's going to be interesting. The NL Central is going to be super interesting to watch all year. I mean, still, first and third place are only separated by three and a half games. Right, right. I mean, think look at this. Last year, 2018, Carlos Martinez versus left-handed batters. In 66 innings um, versus left-handed batters, he struck, or he they had a batting average of, he held them to a batting average of 237. So I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I, I think he will be too. It's just a matter of health with him at this point. Right, right. You're right. You're right. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see how this will work long term because this, the trust between the Cardinals and Carlos Martinez, like the organization of Martinez himself, isn't really there after he hadn't, didn't take care of his business with his shoulder in the offseason. Right. It'll be interesting. I think, I think it's going to continue to be topsy-turvy all year. Yeah. I mean, between these three teams – I mean, it, it's going to be a battle no matter what. I guess what. we can't keep ruling out the Pirates because they keep being yeah. there. i got to give credit where credit's deserved. Josh Bell's been awesome this year. Yeah, he has. Um, but, I mean, with a run, they're the only team in the Central with a negative run differential. It's at negative right. 41 right it's now, not so that's happen. not great. That's not great. I mean, even the Reds, who are in last place, they have at least a plus 30, which, which is crazy is because, awesome. yeah, the Reds are in last place, and they have a better run differential than both the Cardinals and the Brewers. The, Which is why the, the, the Reds have the third best run differential in the National League. Fourth, crazy, crazy. Fourth best, sorry, that's nuts. Let's talk about the AL East. Uh, there's a lot to get into, especially recently. The Rays, my beautiful sons, the Tampa Bay Rays, still in first place, 24 and 15. Uh, they've been just okay in the last stretch or so. They're five and five over the last ten. Um, but they're still taking care of business. They're still, they were able to hold off the Yankees in a series at, at Tropicana field and stay in first place. Um, but Tyler Glass now goes down. He's got right forearm tightness. He's got an injury to his throwing hand, uh, arm. That's going to keep him out four to six weeks. He's been your best pitcher. He's been unbelievable. He's been on a Cy Young track, uh, losing your ACE, no matter what team you are, isn't the best in any situation no. for the race, especially when your next best pitcher is Charlie Morton. It hurts a little more. I mean, and especially the Rays, they're a scrappy team. They don't have, you know, the superstars. They don't have the Paul Goldschmidt's, the Chris Bryant's, the uh, Mookie Betts. You know, they have Austin Meadows and they have Tyler Glasnow, and that's fine. That's awesome. Well, it's been working. And for Blake Snell is. We don't forget Blake Snell. He right, was. That's true. I forgot about him. Guy. He's struggled uh-huh. this year. He needs to get that back going. That the easiest way to get to ease the loss of Tyler Glasnow is for Blake Snell to tap into what he did last year. Yeah, Snow, I did forget about him. Uh, but like you said, he struggled. And so the Rays got to figure out a way to keep their head above water. But regardless, I still love what they've been doing. Yandy Diaz has been awesome for them. Uh, he's finding his power curve. Obviously, El Garcia has yes. been a revelation. This, I is mean, such a, this is such a Rays player. This is such – It's. Such, I feel like the Rays always do this. They take these castaway guys who – I mean, Garcia – Garcia was released from the White Sox last year uh, and then picked up by the Rays. Garcia's had one year where he's hit above 300, and that was with the White Sox in 2017 when he was an all-star. This year, he's with the Rays, and he might be an all-star again. He's slashing 282, 343, 489 with an 831 OPS. He's got six home runs already. His career high is 19. He looks good. He's been a solid pickup for them, and he's he's low-key – very quietly, one of the better defensive players in the league and 
fastest. I mean, he's at the top of the leaderboard, near the top at least, and defensive runs saved. That's remarkable. It's crazy. I mean, because this is a dude who I think is like 6'4", like 260, I want to say, or something. Right, right. Well, and their bullpen. Don't forget about their bullpen. as we Yeah. Alvarado and Diego Castillo, oh, those two are gross. Gross. 99 with severe movement. <laughs> it's crazy. But I, I like the Rays. Did you know that Alvarado has a strikeout per nine at 14.1? <laughs> Jesus. That's disgusting. Yes. In all the best ways. <laughs> but the Rays are starting to feel the heat. And the Boston's been better. Boston's figuring it out. They're coming out of the rut. And the Yankees are persevering despite all their stars being hurt. So the Rays... This is why we're seeing them be connected to Dallas Keuchel now. A report came out yesterday on Monday that they have they have interest in Keuchel. They have interest in signing him for the right price to kind of weather this while Glasnow is out for the next four to six weeks, however long it is. is that, do they I don't. Have, it's a one-year deal, you think? I would I would assume one or two. It might be one with an option or something. Um, but I like this fit and I like it a lot, and because you need it, because. You, the opener is fine if you're going to use it for two games when you have Glasnow and Morton and Snell being full starters. The opener going for it with for three days and then trying to use your bullpen normally on the other two days too, I feel like you get dicey there. So I think you need that third starter. Brent Honeywell is going to be back at some point, but you don't know when. So I like the fit. Keuchel, I, he's a ground ball pitcher. He's not going to be the ace that he used to be, but he's going to be serviceable. He's going to be a number three type of starter at worst. Tropicana feels a little bit of a launching pad sometimes. Yeah. But I, I think Keiko, as long as he pitches well, the Rays are known, very well known, for taking pitchers and helping them perform better than expected. Any player, really, position players too, as we're seeing with Garcia. So I like the fit. I think if Keiko goes there, I think that's really good for the Rays. And then once Glasnow comes back, they have four legitimate pitchers, which, as we know, you need in the playoffs if you're going to be a playoff team. Well, and it also kind of showcases how important this season is to the race, right? They're not shipping this off as a lost cause. They're going for it, right? right? They understand what they need to do. And this is a team that's been terrific on the road so far this year at 12-5 and five, away from Tropicana Field. They understand uh, the value of pushing and getting into the playoffs right now, what that would mean for their franchise long-term. And it would be another sign that they're, they're better. Their front office is better at their job than everyone else is. And, and I think that's why they're pushing for something like this, this is why they, they would go add a, a pitcher like Dallas Keuchel and continue mm-hmm. to supplement this pitching rotation that that's really talented. And it has a lot of a really good arms that are elite arms, but that veteran presence is so necessary as they wait for Blake Snell to get going. And then they get glass down back. Like, that's a that's a dangerous dangerous team to watch out for, but like you said, Boston has kind of figured it out a little bit. And they, boy, this Boston team, there's a reason why they're you know they have everything together. I mean, Rafael Devers has been pretty good so far this year, hitting way over 300, 336 with a couple homers and 21 RBIs. JD Martinez, mm-hmm. Mookie Betts, they're starting to find their form. Andrew Benintendi is one of the most underrated players in the league, so they, they're really 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 good. The problem that they have though. Because it's their pitching that's not quite been there all year. Right. Well, let me throw some numbers at you because this is insane. The Red Sox in their first 19 games were 2-11. and 11. They were getting an ERA of 6.7 from their rotation. For, and in the last 19 games, they've gotten a 3.34 with a 1.13 whip from their 
rotation. Sale in his first four starts, 18 innings, 8.5 ERA. Sale in his last four starts, 26 innings, 1.73 ERA. Dude, Rick Porcello, Rick Porcello was in a similar boat. Went from an 11.12 to 2.45. Rodriguez went from a 7.98 to a 3.68. So your their rotation's turning the corner here. And they're starting to kind of put it together, which is what you need. Sale, you need Chris Sale to be that ace. You can't have Chris Sale being a, a mediocre pitcher if you're expecting to be World Series contenders again. Right, right. And now, and it's especially uh, vital because Nathan Ovaldi and David Price are both out with injuries. Right. Yeah, and so you need those four. You need those top three: Porcello, Rodriguez, and Sale to weather that storm, and oh. you know kind of hold you down until price and or Eovaldi come back. Okay. Let's t- touch on the Yankees real quick. 24 and 16, all these injuries and they're so fine. Right? So I, here's the, here's the question I have for you. You are the resident Tampa Bay Rays fan club president. Uh, who gets this division Tampa right now, game and a half up, or a half game up on the Yankees, Boston three back. We're a quarter of the way through Boston's eight and two in their last 10. Their run differential is starting to get up there. They've scored more runs in the Rays. They scored more runs in the Yankees. Their lineup is starting to click, but do they have enough to catch back up and pass these Rays? What do you think? Who's your prediction winner right now? <clears throat> See, I, I would love to say the Rays. I really, really want to say the Rays. It's just that the Yankees scare me that they're playing this well and Stanton's still hurt. Uh, Judge is still not completely right. I think he still might even be hurt too. Uh, Gary Sanchez is still hurt. So, and then obviously they still have guys like Didi Gregorius and Luis Severino still on the shelf too. So, yeah, Aaron I mean, Aaron, Aaron Judge and uh, I think Aaron Hicks is about to come back. Aaron Judge is still on the injured list. Uh, so it scares me that the Yankees are still playing this well on the backs of guys like Gleyber Torres and Clint Frazier and Stanton and Judge are on the injured list. Their mm-hmm. big hitters are on the injured list. Well, Their staff ace with Louis Severino is still on the injured list. Yeah, it's well, it's crazy. And their position in this offseason, James Paxton's on the injured list. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Not- and I go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, because I was going to move to Boston real quick. So if you have something on the Yankees, go ahead. Well, yeah, I just think that I just think that we have got to give a lot of credit to a guy like DJ LeMahieu for what he's done yep. for the Yankees this year. He, you could make a really interesting case that he's been one of their best players. Hitting three thirty three. his OPS is over eight thirty six. two homers, 21 RBIs, great defense at second base. And also Cameron Maven. So they, Cameron Maven's been pretty good for him in, in limited usage now. So it's so funny just to see these different guys, these different pieces, these old guys mixing with the young guys that are starting to kind of refine themselves with the Yankees while all of these stars are out. And if they continue this hot right. stretch, they might have a strong case to keep some of these guys in the lineup, even when some of the big regulars come back once or twice, just to keep that, keep the good things rolling. I'm not saying that they're going to sit judge and sit Stanton, but they might have a little bit more interesting um, conversations about regular playing time than they would have thought a couple weeks ago. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, then it allows you to give guys like that rest or bring them along slowly. You don't have to throw them right back in Um, Boston. I don't want to write off Boston. Uh, They're three out. And I mean, I I mentioned some of their numbers uh, already, but I mean, Mookie Betts too. I mean, has been a huge part of their turnaround in his first 19 games. 
had a 200 average, was slugging just 371 with a 676 OPS. And the next 19 games, 382, 647 slugging percentage with a 1.147 OPS. Mm-hmm. So he's playing like an MVP again, too. And then Michael Chavez, I mean, has been great for them. He's taken up most of the time at second base with Pedroia being out. He's hitting 282, slugging 563. He's got a 970 OPS. And 20 games, he's got six home runs and 19 RBI. Boston's offense is starting to be that historic offense that we saw last year. So as much as I would love the race to win this division, uh, they're going to start feeling the heat soon. And you need guys like Austin Meadows and Tommy Pham to keep playing well. You need a guy like Willie Adames, who was once one of the top prospects in baseball. You need him to figure it out. You need uh, you need Brent Honeywell to come back at some point because he also was one of the best highly regarded prospects, pitching prospects in all of baseball, too. Uh, you need Matt Duffy to come back soon. He's supposed to, he had that hamstring strain that played him on the 60 day injured list back and before spring training, he's supposed to come back in the next couple of weeks. And he was one of your best players last year when he hit 294 uh, and gave you 44 RBI and played great defense at third base and sometimes shortstop. But you, you didn't back. my question though. Who do you got? I think it's going to be the Yankees. Really? I think it's going to be the Yankees. I think once they get Paxton back, if they get Severino back this uh, season, and then once Stanton and Judge come back, what are you going to do? The Yankees already have a plus 36 run differential without some of the best offensive players in baseball. I think they win the division. I still think the Rays get a wild card, but I think the Yankees at some point take this division. Yeah, I'm going Red Sox. I think I can trust their bullpen. Um, a little bit more now. I, I, I had issues and questions about it earlier in the season, but Barnes has been pretty good for them. Heath Hembry is good. Brandon Workman and Ryan Brazier are, are still rock solid options back there. So I like that. I still think that the upside of this rotation with Sale, Porcello, Price, Ivaldi, and Eduardo Rodriguez is better overall, right? I, I think I like the Rays rotation most, but Boston's second for me, and with Sales starting. Starting to come back to being Chris Sale, and with this lineup being absurdly good, I'm going to Boston. But I do think this this one's going to come down to the wire as well. I hope here's one thing. I hope that all three of those teams make the playoffs. Oh, that would be unbelievable. That'd be lovely. I like. I don't, I'm no offense, Oakland. I don't want to see you in the playoffs. No offense, Los Angeles Angels. I don't want to see you. Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland, you're a trash organization. You're not paying your stars. No one comes to your games. No one wants to see you on TV. I don't want you in the playoffs. <laughs> he said you're a trash. He said they're a trash organization. I think they are. No, you're right. I said this to my. I mean, we can talk about this next episode. I think they trade Francisco Indoor this off season. Um, so stupid. They should trade everybody and just burn to the ground. I, I, we could we do the Indians next episode because I think that's a whole topic that could take up a lot of time, but. Yeah, you're right. I think if, if those three teams from the AL East make the playoffs, I think that'd be awesome. I think that'd be great. I mean, you kind of have a similar situation at going back to the NL Central almost because, I mean, do we, does anybody really want to see the Braves or the Mets in the playoffs? No. No. I mean, you could. Does anybody really want to see the Diamondbacks in the playoffs? I would like to see the Padres, but yeah. I don't think they're there yet. So, I mean, really, you'd really like to see the Cubs, Brewers, and Cardinals in those yeah. spots. I mean, and so just we're like, talking like about see, 10. 10 playoff teams, and you're going to have 60% of the 10 playoff teams from two divisions. That'd be, that'd be crazy. I mean, that, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, speaking of playoffs, end of the year stuff, let's go awards. 
Um, quarter of the way there, as I said in the beginning of the episode. So let's kind of do our first update on the awards races. Um, <clears throat> let's start with MVP, obviously. Uh, the one that everybody wants to – the one that everybody pays the most attention to. I mean, really. So AL, I kind of have a little bit of a sleeper. I think might be a little bit off the map. I'm going to go with Carlos Correa. Ooh, interesting. 295, 358, 562 with a 920 OPS. He's hit nine home runs already. His career high is 24, which he set back at 2017. This is a dude who was hurt last year with back injuries and a guy who I predicted would bounce back because when you have a back injury, baseball's a lot about the back with the baseball swing involves a lot of your back. Carlos Correa, uh, he's my pick for MVP. He's been awesome this year. Okay, I'm staying with that team, but I got to go George Springer. He's been awesome this year. OPS of over 1,000. He's hit 15 homers, drove in 38 runs, one of the better defensive outfielders in the game. Great all-around player. Give me George Springer right now. Nine doubles, too. Don't forget about that. He's stolen four bags. He just does it all for this team. He's getting on base, over 400 um, on base percentage, slugging over 650. He's been great. So I, I understand the Correa pick. But there's a reason why uh, George Springer – this is George Springer's best uh, year of his career, and he certainly deserves every MVP vote that he gets. Yeah, the thing is – the crazy thing with the Astros is that we're not even talking about Alex Bregman either. I mean, or, Bregman's – Well, too bad. Yeah, and Bregman's hitting 275, 385, 585 with a 970 OPS – He's got 13 home runs. He plays a premium defensive position at third base. He can play shortstop and a little bit in the outfield. He got he was top five in MVP last year. The Astros could have three or four guys in the top ten of MVP voting, which That's I mean, nuts. which is why you're seeing them skyrocket to a plus 71 run differential and being one of the best teams in baseball again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, MVP in the National League. I think I think we both know where this is going. Cody Bellinger. Absolutely. Not even close. I mean, how much more can we say about this guy that hasn't already been said? He's leading in most major statistical categories. He's still hitting above 400 and we're well into May. We're a quarter of the way into the season. He's slugging 772 and he's 133 point percentage points better than average. He's got a 233 OPS plus and the league average is 100. Right. He's been unbelievable. He right. has 14 home runs. He looks like he's going to blow past the 39 he hit his rookie year. He's got 38 RBIs. His career high is 97. This is a dude who is just figuring it out. He's walking just as much as he's striking out. 24 walks to 25 strikeouts. It's been crazy. And I, I think – and he plays great outfield defense too did you see the throw he had the other night yeah against uh in the hunt in the ryu game he had a 93 mile an hour throw from right field to first base to rob someone of a single nuts nuts it's been unbelievable to watch no you you took all the words out of my mouth like he he's he's absurd he they he is he is one of those guys that's always been so highly touted. We're like, okay, is he ever going to hit it? Is he ever going to hit it? Is he ever going to hit it? Is he ever going to hit the ceiling? Oh, now it is. Now it's time. And yeah. I got to give him a lot of credit for what he said. He's been, he's been everything you'd wanted and way more. I don't think he's going to finish this year hitting over 400 or do anything <laughs> absurd like that. But there's a really interesting case if he could go for the hits record. Yeah. 
I mean, he's leading in total bases right now, and I I imagine he's leading in hits. Yeah, fifty nine hits leads the league. Uh, so that'd be what is the hits record? Do you know off the top of your head? No, I'm I'm looking it up. But I mean, Bellinger is a huge part of the Dodgers being so good. Okay. I mean, Single season hits record is, um, oh wait, no, sorry. Hold on. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just, I mean, I'm sorry. I got it right. 262 hits in the season by, uh, Ichiro Suzuki. And he's our, and Bellinger's already at 59 and we're a quarter of the way through the season. All right. So Bellinger's at 59 through 41 games played, which means that he is getting on average, um, one over one hit a game, right? Of course. Yeah. He's getting 1.4 hits per game. So if you multiply that by a 162 game season, he's on pace for 233. So he's not quite there yet. He need to pick up his pace even a little bit more, not walk quite as much. He's been walking a lot. Yeah. 24 walks already really kind of takes that away from him, but he's, he's, he's close. He's going to be really close and, and he's on pace for an incredible season. Yeah, he is. And I, I think he's running away with it right now. I mean, without a doubt. Okay, uh, so let's oh, go ahead. I was going to say, let's, if you're ready, we'll move to Cy Young. Okay, let's go Cy Young. Uh, my pick in the NL, I think it's it's kind of crowded. I mean, this, Cy Young, there's a bunch of different guys in each league. Um, but the National League, I'm going to pick someone that we mentioned earlier. I'm going to go John Lester. Wow. I mean, he's been really good. I mean, he's got a 1.16 ERA. He's got the fifth to match with a 2.72. He's striking out nine guys per nine innings. He's only walking one per nine about. His home runs per nine are down. It's back below one. Uh, and the batting average on balls in play isn't isn't crazy low. It's 2.96, which is about league average. So... I really like what Lester's done. He's straightened out the peripherals, and this is vintage Lester that we're seeing. He's my pick for NL Cy Young. I'm going with Luis Castillo. Four That's a good record. pick. Four and run record this year, 1.76 earned run average. His um, average so far this year is 168. Not many people are – no one in baseball is better than that. No one in the National League is better than that. You look at strikeouts, he's third in the league in strikeouts right now, um, and he's a couple innings behind. Strasburg and Scherzer are both ahead of him, and he's right there, right nipping on his heels. He's 4-1. and one. He's been great for the Rays so far this year. He's uh, fourth in baseball in earned run average. You look at his fifth at 2.75, which is five. Striking out over 11.2 batters per nine innings. It's weird to say this, but the Reds have the best pitcher in, ba- in the National League, in my opinion. What that's about the American a, League? That's that's a bold statement, but I respect it a lot. I mean, um, right now, as of right now, yeah, no, absolutely. The American League. There's no. I would have said Glass now before he got hurt, right? Um, and I still think he'll have a shot at it once he comes back, but. Outside of that, I think my pick's Justin Verlander. Yeah. He's had a really he's had a really good year. He's got a two five one uh ERA. He his his FIP isn't great. It's in the threes, but he's striking out ten ten guys, almost eleven per nine. Uh he's only allowing about a home run per nine, so that's uh something you can deal with. And he's just been vintage Verlander. I mean, his velocity's stayed up. Uh he's been a huge part of that keeping that Astros pitching staff solid. No, you're right. That was my pick too. If Glasnow stays healthy, he's my guy. But since he's yeah. not healthy 
and and since he's going to miss a decent amount of time, Verlander is the exact right pick. And I know wins don't matter, but six and one record will stand out to voters. His walk, mm-hmm. he's walked just 14 guys so far this year in 57 innings. That's super, super impressive. Now his home runs are a little high. He's given up 10 home runs, but I think that yeah. will, that'll come back down to earth a little bit more. And his whip of 0.82 is absurd. That's best in baseball. Yeah. I, I, he's, been unbelievable. I think you could also make a case for uh, either Jake Orderizio, Jose Barrios. They've been very good for the Twins too. Okay, so we should do. Should we do breakout player here or comeback player or both? Uh, I had comeback player because I, I have a really. I think one that is. Uh, I, I think you might be a little bit surprised by my AL two, comeback. I got player. comeback players too. I'm ready for those. Okay, um, I'll go for the NL. Mine is Dansby Swanson. Ooh, I do not have that. He was, he's not been great. It's since in the last two years, he hit less than 240 in 2017 and 2018. Uh, slug or OPS was in the 600s. This year, he's been better. He's hitting 270. He's got an OPS at 819. Uh, he's seeing the ball better. Mike Petriello did a really good piece on him uh, earlier this morning that just came out. And Swanson, he's not chasing anymore. His he has one of the biggest decreases in swinging outside the zone and seeing pitches better. And he's been a lot better for the Braves and showing that he could be uh, a piece of this Braves team, a, a good piece, a key piece going forward. Okay, so my um, breakout player for the National League is Josh Bell, guy that had really struggled to really find his. Ceiling. He only hit 260 last year, had an OPS about 768, which is fine, but that's not what Pittsburgh wanted him long term to be. They want him to be a power hitter, and he's really found that stroke so far this year. He has 13 doubles, two triples, and 10 homers. Um, so I really like what he's done. He's slugging over 655, easily the number best in his career. His OPS is over 1,000. He's on pace for a ridiculously good year. Defense hasn't been great for him, but this is a guy who's never lived up to expectations, and now he's finally living up to the hype. And this is his third full year in the big leagues. He's been around since 2016, but third full year in the big leagues. And he's finally starting to find himself and good for him though. And that, that's a big reason why the pirates are still right where they're at. Yeah. Uh, he's playing like an all-star. I think he'll probably get an all-star bid. Um, okay. So are we doing comeback and breakout? No, let, or we can do comeback. Let's do comeback right now. Um, and then we can do breakout. Swanson, Swanson was my comeback. Okay, Play. that's right. That my comeback was uh, my comeback was Josh Bell as well. Okay, okay. Um, AL comeback player. Uh, this is going to surprise you, and you're you're gonna you're gonna probably fight me a little bit on it before I lay out these numbers. My AL comeback player of the year is Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles. Oh my gosh. Okay, get in. I I do not agree with this. So let let me hear it. Okay, since he ended his hitless streak. So ever since that hit, so he started the year horribly. He went, he went what the first week, two weeks without getting a hit since then, Chris Davis has had 70 plate appearances. His triple slash line has been 290, 371, 581. Oh, okay. So that, so that's an OPS of 850. So you have my attention. So, and that's, after the hitless streak, so he's been a contributor again. This is—he's not the Chris Davis of old, the Chris Davis that hit 50 home runs, but he's been a lot better. 
And he's not nearly as bad as the 168, 243, 296 he put up last year or his current season-long numbers. 70 plate appearances is a pretty decent sample size, too. It's not like it's been, oh, just this past week. This has been the past month, two months for Davis. Right, right. Okay. You want to hear mine? Yes. Elvis Andrews. I love El- that. Elvis Andrews had got hurt last year, only played in 97 games, had an OPS – of 675, he's been he'd been really really bad last year. This year in just 37. Oh, last year he only had six home runs too in 97 games. This year in 37 games, he's already cranked six homers. He's got a triple. He's got nine doubles. His OPS is just under 900. His fielding percentage has been a ridiculously good mark of 987 at shortstop. No doubt the best number in his career so far. He's been terrific for this really interesting Texas Rangers team that we all thought would stink. Elvis Andrews, comeback player of the league. Uh, I love that. I think Andrews, he was a fun guy to watch too. Uh, He was one of those guys that he was fun to watch. He had fun playing and now he's turning himself into a nice little piece for the Rangers who I think, I still think could be a, a team that maybe, I mean, they're 17 and 21 right now, but I think, they might turn it on. Gallo's been great. Or even next year, they still have some young guys that I think the Rangers don't count them out completely. Should we do a breakout guy? Because I got one for the American League. Uh, let me hear it. Sure. While we're Tim here, we might as well. Tim Anderson. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, mine was Yohan Moncada. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's, that, he's been terrific. Uh, I guess another breakout guy could have been Glass now. Um, but both Glass yeah. and Anderson have been awesome. I mean, you look at what Anderson has turned himself into. He he's already hit eight home runs. He's already stolen 12 bases. He could hit 20 homers and steal 30 bags this year. And that's such a great, I mean, this is a guy who was a rookie of the year, had rookie of the year votes back in 2016. He was just an athlete for so long. And now he's starting to find it. And plus his role off the field is maybe just even as bigger, kind of bringing the big game of baseball, making it more fun to kids who aren't just white anymore or not just from the Dominican Republic, getting more black players in baseball is super important. And he's and on the field-wise, he's been terrific. OPS of 873, he's walking. Uh, he's not walking a ton. He's still, his strikeout numbers are still high, so I'd like to see that continue to improve. But Tim Anderson has really broken out in a huge way. Yeah, he's been awesome. Uh, Yohan Moncada was my pick. I mean, he's a guy who was once the number one prospect in all of baseball, came over in the Chris Sale trade, and he's hitting 289, 349, slugging 528, got an OPS in the 870s. He's got nine home runs. His career high is 17. Uh, this is great for the White Sox. You need Moncada to be good. You need him to be kind of one of the leaders in you coming out of this rebuild. Uh, this is the guy you were expecting. He's hitting the crap out of the ball. I mean, when he hits a home run, they're going a mile. So this is what has helped the White Sox kind of be okay with not signing Machado because Anderson and Moncada have been great. The White Sox just won their 19th game of the year. They didn't win their 19th game last year until June 9th. Wow. Uh, so, and well, so and now you're looking also remember this. He is, um, he is making that Chris sale trade to look a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing with the White Sox is here you are, you're ahead of where you were last year and you don't have Michael Kopech. You don't have Carlos Rodon uh, and you still have guys. Eloy Jimenez has been hurt. Now you still have guys like Zach Collins in the minors. You still have guys like Nick Madrigal in the minors who are going to come up. Dylan Cease, 
guys who are going to come up and even further help this rebuild. I think if you're a White Sox fan, you have to be really happy with where things are headed. Sure. Let's go to the NL. I got a couple here in the NL. Um, it's so hard for me to do this because I really want to pick Paul DeYoung as the breakout player. <laughs> but I got to go Christian Walker. This is a guy that's been really hadn't done much throughout his major league career. He kind of jumped back and forth between Baltimore, then goes to Arizona. The, the Diamondbacks trade, Paul Goldschmidt. And Christian Walker is taking full advantage this year, hitting just under 300, OPS of over 940. He's hit eight homers. He's driven in 17 runs. He's walking a lot. His on-base percentage about 30, 370. Like he's, he's really a big reason why the Diamondbacks have stayed watchable, stayed competitive now that Goldschmidt's gone. Sure. And that's one way to do a rebuild, trade Goldschmidt, then get a production like this from Christian Walker. So a quarter of the way through the year, he's my breakout player in the National League. Uh, yeah, I really want to pick DeYoung too, um, but he's been good the last two years. Can you really call? I mean, it's a breakout because he's on can the MVP. Call a guy who was, who, can, can you call a guy who hit 25 homers two years ago a breakout player? Eh, probably not. Right. I mean, he's on an MVP type path, so I guess at, at a certain extent you can. But uh, mine's Wilson Contreras. Mm. I mean, I mean, yeah, he was an all-star last year, but he scuffled at the end. He only had an OPS of 730. And, I mean, he's got an OPS over 1,000 right now. He's slugging 617. He's already got 10 homers. His career high is 21. So it looks like he's going to blow past that. Um, probably going to be an all-star again. This is a dude that you, you expected a lot from when he came up in 2016 and when he was just 24, had some injury issues the last two years. He's finally starting to put it together. So you know, another guy, that, another guy that could have been in the mix, Luke Weaver. Yeah. He's been really good for the Diamondbacks. Okay. Yeah, and and he, scuffled, he scuffled with the Cardinals a little bit, but yeah. good for him. Question. Who do you think will be have a better career long-term as a starter, Luke Weaver or Dakota Hudson? Oof. as a starter yeah as a starter weaver because i think hudson ends up in the bullpen at some point i agree but who, because, are, who has the better career who's gonna be more valuable luke weaver or dakota hudson long term because last year when we were going through the trade or in the offseason we go okay it's only luke weaver at least they didn't give up dakota hudson and right. i said that's a pretty fair value trade because weaver could turn into a pretty good player i liked him so it, it, it's hard for me to, to look back at both of these because they're both pretty good. I don't know which one's better. Right. I think if – because I do think Hudson ends up in the bullpen at some point. He's been fine as a starter, but he was a weapon as a reliever last year. So I think that happens again. Um, I think Weaver has a fine career still. He's been really great. But uh, – I, I think Hudson is probably – you look back on he's probably more valuable because he's a high-leverage guy too. Right. Right. Uh, gosh, I, I don't know. I think I think a value of a, of a starter is more than a value of a reliever. I that guess. Sense? Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I'm just saying like that. We thought that was a no doubt Cardinals crushed that trade and maybe they didn't. Yeah. I mean, I think – is, I always hate doing winners, losers of trades. I think it's going to be fair value. The Cardinals needed Goldschmidt. The Diamondbacks needed a young catcher and Carson Kelly and a young starter and Luke Weaver. And they right. both teams got what they needed. Right. No, I, that's, that's a good point. That is a very, very good point. If, okay. We should do our rookie of the years too. Who's our rookie of the year in the national league? Uh, national league, Chris Paddock. Really good call. He's been, 
he's been crazy good. He's going to get Cy Young votes. He's got a one five, five ERA. He's got a two, three FIP to match. He leads the league, the national league in uh whip 0.689. He leads the league in. he's only giving up four hits per nine innings. Isaac four wow, nuts. He's got a 0.4 home runs per nine. Doesn't walk that many guys strikes out 10.2 per nine. He's been crazy. He's already got 1.5 war. Seven starts, 40 innings pitched. Just to play devil's advocate, I got to pick Pete Alonzo. Sure, absolutely. 12 bombs, 32 RBIs. That's just absurd. Do not have a problem with that at all. Okay, American League Rookie of the Year. (sighs) This one's tougher, but I'm going to go with Michael Chavez of the Red Sox. Ooh. What about you're saying no to Brandon Lowe? Yeah. I am saying no to Brandon Lowe. That's uh He's that's, been awesome. He has been awesome, but um it's tough, right. isn't it? Right? Because right. we thought because at the beginning of the year we go, okay, this is Vlad Guerrero uh, Jr.'s award to lose. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean it's crazy it's crazy that we're not talking about him or uh it's crazy that we're not talking about him or Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, right. But yeah, you're right, Lowe has been good, but Chavez's uh, mm, OPS is higher than Lowe's. Yeah, I'm still going to go Chavez just because I think his his arrival coinciding with the Red Sox turnaround is going to look better. Maybe. You're right. You're right. That's a that's a good that's a good back and forth to have though. Yeah, that's a that's a good argument. I mean, cuz they're both I think about the same age too. Lowe's 24, Chavez mm-hmm. is 23. They okay. they play nearly the same positions. Oh, wow, that's Chavez is still my pick. I'm sticking with it. Okay. I'm sticking with low. Low. That was fun. That was fun. Okay. Good stuff this week. Next week, what do you think we touch on the Cleveland Indians and go a little bit more in depth on how trash that franchise is? <laughs> yeah, we could uh, touch on what they're doing. I mean, they're collapsing right now. I'm going to burn them to the ground like Danny did in Game of Thrones. Go for it. I, I'm all in on that. Yeah, but we put in a solid good hour for you this week. Uh, really loved everything we talked about. Obviously, news and stuff when it breaks, we'll talk about it. Maybe Dallas Keuchel signed by next week. Uh, any other crazy things that happen, we'll be sure to talk about it on the next episode. Get into the Indians and let Isaac go in on them for a little bit. But as always, this has been On the Chalk. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Isaac, for taking the time. Always a pleasure to talk baseball with you. No problem. But, Let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely. We will be back with the next episode. But thank you for listening. Give us a like. Give us a rate. And leave us a comment. Keep enjoying it. But we'll be back. Thank you for listening. See you next time.